0: Welcome to this episode of Come Follow Me, A Disciple's Journey. This episode will cover section 11 of the the Doctrine and Covenants. So let's jump in here. Some historical background. Um, So uh, this comes from uh, the Prophet Joseph. He said, our minds... Oh, sorry, excuse me. (laughs) I should probably tell you when. May 15th, 1829. He said, our minds being now enlightened, we began to have the scriptures laid open to our understandings. Why were they now opened? This is right after uh, him and Oliver had been baptized. There are uh, our, our minds began to be laid open, and the true meanings of, and intentions of the scriptures, of their more mysterious patches passages, revealed unto us in a manner which we never could have could attain to previously, nor ever before had thought of it. In the meantime, we were for, forced to keep secret the circumstances of having received the priesthood and our having been baptized, owing to a spirit of persecution which had already manifested itself in the neighborhood. After a few days, however, feeling it to be our duty, we commenced to reason out the scriptures with our acquaintances and friends as we happened to meet with them. About this time, my brother Samuel uh, Smith came to visit us. Not many days afterwards, my brother Hiram Smith came to to us to inquire concerning these things, when at his earnest request, I inquired of the Lord, through the Urim and Thummim, and receive for him the following, which is section 11. So that's what precedes this. So if we go, to, if you want to flip before you read section 11, you'll see that it says uh, in May of 1829, and you flip to section 13, it says May 15th, 1829, and that's when uh, John the Baptist appeared to Oliver and Joseph. And so we know that sometime after May 15th, before June, Hiram came to visit, Oliver and Joseph have received the Aaronic priesthood. They've been baptized. You um, now Hiram comes and says, "Hey, I want to know about the things that you're teaching and the things that you're, that you're you've been receiving, and I want to be a part of this." And so, this is the answer: a great and marvelous work is about to come forth among the children of men. Sounds like section four. Sounds like a bunch of other sections. Uh, one thing you'll notice is that uh, the. I'm not going to, I'll say this and I'll hedge myself a little bit. Most and many, at least many in the bulk of, I think, of the, the sections and the, the, the times where the Lord says a great marvelous work is about to come forth are before April 6th, 1830, which is when the church was restored and, well, the church was organized, I should say, which was another significant piece of the ongoing restoration um and I think the, and it's kind of the this the event that the Lord keeps pointing to is the the coming forth of the Book of Mormon and the organization of his church again. Now again, it also refers to other things that are even yet to come for us probably in the ongoing restoration. But just wanted to point this out. Uh, I mentioned in the overview section that, that our, our episode that there are a lot of similarities between section four and section eleven. Section four and section eleven are basically the same question that two different men had. Section four is Joseph uh, Smith Senior, and section eleven is Hiram Smith. We want to be a part of the work. We want to understand what Joseph, what you're doing. And the Lord then responds to them and tells them some some direction. One thing that I, t- I kind of note is that section four teaches about having a desire and says, if we have a desire to serve God, you're called to the work. Section 11 almost uh, builds on that thought that, okay, now you have a desire, you're called to the work. Now, How do you prepare for that work? What do you need to do to be prepared? Because surely just having a desire, that qualifies you, right? That means That means you're called to the work, but that doesn't make you prepared to do the work. Um, I want to say it was oh, I want to say it was Elder Ballard but maybe not uh, October 2007 General Authority gave a talk about preparing for missions and uh, maybe it was even October 2008 but he talked about like all the things that young men should be doing to prepare for their mission and it, he, it included like exercise he, he talked about um, understanding your own Uh, mind and how much stress you can take and how to handle stress and what healthy ways you can do to handle stress because the things that you do at home you're not going to be able to do you're not going to be able to go get away and be alone you can't leave your companion you can't just turn on music and uh, drive around and do whatever so he he talked about all these different things that you need to do outside of what we would say is like specifically gospel related preparation but to be prepared So just because you have a desire to serve, yeah, that qualifies you, but that doesn't make you prepared. Again, so circle back to what I'm saying and come tie this back into section 11. I view section 11 as the Lord's uh, guidance to us on how we then... Okay, so you have desire, check. Now what? What do you do to prepare so that when you go out, you can... uh, And when you go to talk to people, whether it's as a full-time missionary or as a missionary uh, member so that you're prepared to to speak with power and have, have the word uh, with you and have the spirit with you. Verse eight and nine are pretty cool verses to me. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, even as you desire of me, so it shall be done unto you. And if you desire, you shall be the means of doing much good in this generation. That's a pretty awesome promise. And it's obviously to Hiram, but man, I can't help but think that these scriptures are to us too, right? And that if you want to do good for the people around, then you can. But it's up to your desires. Again, having the desire, that's what qualifies you first. And desire is an interesting thing to me because I I think that it is something that I'm not sure we can really change on our own. We have to rely on the Lord. We have to go to the Lord and say, okay, this is something that I have this small inkling that I want. I want to have that desire. And then he changes us from the inside out with the spirit he raises us to a higher uh state of being through the spirit and by his power and then verse nine says but say not, say nothing but repentance unto this generation keep my commandments and assist to bring forth my work according to my commandments and you shall be blessed so what does it mean to say nothing but repentance When the Lord calls upon his servants to cry nothing but repentance, he does not mean that they may not cry baptism and call upon the people to obey the commandments of the Lord, but he wishes that all they say and do be in the spirit of bringing people to repentance. Any missionary who fails to do this in his ministry is derelict in his duty. That's from, uh, church history and modern revelation. Um. But that's what, what does crying repentance mean? Crying repentance means inviting people to change. It means inviting them to partake. Well, I'll tell you what, the purpose of a missionary as stated in, in preaching by gospel is, is to invite others to come into Christ by helping them receive the restored gospel through faith in Jesus Christ and, and his atonement. Repentance, baptism, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, and enduring to the end. That's what crying repentance means, is by inviting others to come into Christ. We all are on different... Everyone needs to come closer to Christ. Everyone on this earth needs to come closer to Christ. And there are things that we need, all need to do. And those actions that we need to take, that's repentance. The things that we need to change to, to come closer to Christ, that is, that's the essence of repentance. It's change, right? And so if it, when missionaries go out and they invite other people to do something, they invite them to read the Book of Mormon, that's a call. That's, a cry, that's them crying Repentance. They invite them to come to church and come to sacrament. That's repentance. And the Elder Quorum president sits down with a less active uh, brother and invites him to be worthy, to get himself worthy to baptize his son. That's a cry to repentance, right? It looks different in, in different situations and in different scenarios, to, but it's the beauty of it. It's catered to us and our individual needs where we are on that path. And what we should be doing as we invite others to come into Christ is inviting them on their level. What actions will bless them in their life? What things do they need to change? And just another note about that: Preach My Gospel does a great job of teaching this this process, and it's an invitation to change is is repentance. But you don't just stop there. You don't just say, "Hey, you need to do this thing better and different." No, what you do is you invite them to change, and you tell them why. You promise them blessings. As you do the XYZ, you will get XYZ. And again, those things are personal and individual, especially the people that you have stewardship over. If, 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 if it's, if you're in the relief study, you've been given the authority to receive revelation for the sisters in your stewardship. The same goes for parents. And so your promised blessings as you invite people to change shouldn't be milk toast. They shouldn't just be you'll be happy. Well, of course, of course they'll be happy. It's the plan of happiness. Why will they be happy? What will that specific person receive? Sister so and so, I promise that as you take and make a greater effort to study your scriptures every day, the Lord will ease your mind of stress and the, the stresses of being a mother you will be able to speak more kindly and be more patient with your children. Follow the Spirit. I'm making this up, right? I made that one up. But follow the Spirit, because maybe that's exactly what that sister is, is, is in need of. And as you follow the Spirit and in inviting people to change and crying repentance, the Lord will speak to you and tell you what blessings that that person can, uh, stands to receive. And then you, and then you testify. So you, right, you, you invite change, you promise blessings and you testify and you can say, I know that that's, this is the case because I myself have taken the time to study my scripture every day and and what I've recognized and what I've experienced in my life is the Lord has blessed me in XYZ ways. So crying repentance is just an invitation to, to happiness. That's what it is. It's an invitation to receive blessings. So when the Lord tells us to cry nothing but repentance, those are some. That that's these are some of the other yeah, the other ways that we can look at that. Now, I say that, and uh, I do want to make sure that uh, I, I share this thought from Marvin J. Ashton because it's something that I worry about. So verse twenty two says, um. In part, study my word, which hath gone forth among the children of men. Nowhere are we advised to dilute the doctrines of the gospel in personal amendments with our own personal amendments. Our view is limited, and personal strength is dependent on how our, on our understanding and following of His word. So, Mormon Jashen says it doesn't say add anything. So he then continues and says, some of us may be inclined to study the word with an idea in mind that we must add much where the Lord has said little. Those who would add upon could do well to be guided by the anchor uh, anchor question. Do my writings, comments, or observations build faith and strengthen testimonies? Oftentimes, we can cause confusion or misdirection in our lives and in the lives of others if we promote the startling and unorthodox. Feeble knees are strengthened by those who lead with purpose rather than with personal interpretations. And so I shared these thoughts um it's something that I have to try to balance in this podcast all the time. Is am I sharing my thoughts? Yes, I am sometimes. But what I try to make sure is that my thoughts are grounded in the scriptures, they're grounded in uh things that the general authorities have said. And so as I share my thoughts on crying repentance, I made sure that I referenced preach my gospel because that's what I learned from from my mission. It's what crying repentance is. Crying repentance is is inviting. Because I had that question and it's it even says it in in preach my gospel. But I had the question of what does a cry and repentance mean as a missionary in, in 2008 when I was on my mission. And what I learned is that it it looks like inviting others to change. You know, uh, Sister Daly, someone that I taught, she didn't, she wasn't reading the Book of Mormon daily because she didn't know what the Book of Mormon was. So our invitation to her to study and pray about the Book of Mormon was a change to her. It was a step towards Christ for her. That was a that was us crying repentance to her. You know, Brother Williams, another an, an, a man that I taught, he wasn't coming to church and partaking of the sacrament. So our inv- invitation to him to come to church and receive the blessings that we promised him was a cry to repentance. And so I just wanted to make sure, I, I, uh, this is just something that I, I think about often as I'm preparing and as I'm delivering the podcast is I don't want to, I don't want these to to be coming from me because that would be bad. <laughs> it wouldn't be good. That's for sure. And so when I share things, I want you to know that I've at least, and I, you know, some of my own thoughts undoubtedly will slip through. Uh, but I want you to know that I've taken and make and I make effort to that my thoughts are founded and grounded in the scripture and in the gospel and the in the doctrine. Um. And as as the Lord put it, that they are founded upon his rock, which is his gospel. So what does the Lord say to Hiram? He says, well, wait a little bit longer. Um, Put your trust in that spirit which leadeth to good. We can trust the Lord. Uh, He promises him a gift in verses 10 and 11. The Lord declared that Hiram's Smith had a gift. The great gift which he possessed was that of a tender sympathetic heart, a merciful spirit. The Lord on a later occasion said, Blessed is my servant Hiram, for I, the Lord, have uh, or love him because of it, the integrity of his heart, and because he loveth that which is right before me, saith the Lord. This great gift was manifested in his jealous watch and care over the prophet, lest some harm come to him. Hiram's gift was not promised unconditionally, though. It only came and would come after he exercised faith in Christ, and that comes from verse 10. It's the same with all of us. We can receive these blessings and these gifts, these gifts of the Spirit, but only as we're obedient, and as we repent, and as we are worthy of the Spirit. They are gifts of the Spirit. The Spirit doesn't dwell in unholy temples. And so as we qualify ourselves, and as we turn to the Lord, and as we are purified through the power of Jesus Christ and His atoning sacrifice— then we can receive the Spirit, and with it, gifts of the Spirit. And he says, wait a little longer. what are you? While, while you're waiting, what should you do? He says, behold, this is your work, to keep my commandments, yea, with all your might, mind, and strength. So it's not enough to just kind of keep the commandments. It's might, mind, and strength. And this scripture also makes me think of a scripture from Jacob, chapter 2. All flesh is of the dust, and for the self same end hath he created them. Okay, well well that seems like an important scripture. Why did he why did God create us? That they should keep his commandments and glorify him forever. He created us. Behold, this is your work again in section eleven, to keep my commandments. This is my work and my glory to bring to pass. The immortality and eternal life of man. That's his work. Our work is to be obedient to him, listen to him, keep his commandments. For this selfsame end hath he created all flesh to keep his commandments. As we keep his commandments, well, what's the end? What's the end for us? Becoming like him, being glorified, receiving a fullness of joy. In other words, what he's commanded us to do, the work that he's commanded us to do, our work and our glory is to receive glory. And how does how does what does that do? When we receive glory and we glory him, Jacob chapter two verse twenty one, for the self same man hath he created them all flesh, to keep the commandments and glory, uh, and give him glory. Well, then he's he's completing his work and his glory. See, these things are connected and related. But our work is simple. All We do all that we can do, which is to repent and to live the gospel, get on and stay on the covenant path, keep the commandments with all our might, mind, and strength. Uh, Pausing here, we're going to go back. back we'll, we'll we'll come back to verse 20 21 here in a second, and 22, but... Again, I want to talk about this preparation. The Lord is trying to say to Hiram, "Prepare to serve. Prepare to be your brother's right hand man. Prepare to share the gospel." So, how do how do we prepare? How did how did what did you tell Hiram? Let's break it down into just a few quick bite sized things. Number one, have a desire. It comes from verses verses ten and seventeen. Number two, live worthily to receive the Spirit and have your mind enlightened. That comes from verse thirteen. Number three, keep the commandments. We just talked about that one. Number four, seek to obtain the word of the Lord through studying the word of the Lord in the Bible and the Book of Mormon. Number five, build upon the gospel. Denying not neither deny not either the spirit of revelation nor the spirit of prophecy. That's how we prepare. David M. McConkie, uh October 2013 said this, because I'm gonna Put all these things together into uh, a thought here. And I think that uh, David M. McConkie did a great job here. He said, Paul tells us that the gospel comes to men in two ways, in word and in power. The word of the gospel is written in the scriptures, and we can obtain the word by diligently searching. Okay, so that's the word, we obtain it. The power of the gospel comes in the lives of those who so live that the Holy Ghost is their companion and who follow the promptings they received. Some focus their attention only on obtaining the word, and they become experts in delivering information. Others neglect the preparation and hope that the Lord will, in his goodness will somehow help them get through. You cannot expect the Spirit to help you remember the scriptures and principles you have not studied or considered. In order to be successful to teach the gospel, you must have the word and the power of the gospel in your life. So how do we prepare We obtain the word through study. Section uh, 11, verse 21, Seek not to to declare my word, but first seek to obtain my word, and then shall your tongue be loosed. And then, if you desire, you shall have my spirit and my word, by the power of God, unto the convincing of men. Seek to obtain the word. Now we have it. Now we have the word. Like Paul said, by the word and of power. How do we have power? Power comes through obedience. Uh, Men who are... uh, Given the, the holy priesthood, uh, they, they're, they're given the authority to act. Okay. They've been given permission to act, but they don't have the power to act unless they are obedient. Obedience comes from, uh, for, excuse me. Obedience brings power. All those who have entered in to sacred covenants with the Lord, starting with baptism, baptism and going all through the temple receive power. Through those atonements and through the priesthood, they receive priesthood power, the power of God, by obedience. Okay, so you get that power, great. But the Spirit's not going to help you remember something, if and you can't rely on that wisdom if you haven't obtained the word. And so we have to study. That's how we, one way we prepare. The other way we prepare is by obedience. That obedience brings us power, and we have, as Paul said, we obtain the word and the power. Again, here's another section where I have so many notes that I, but I'm gonna move to the end here and, and end with this thought. Um, so I'm gonna read verses 12 and 14 from section 11, and they say, "Now verily, verily, I say unto to thee, put your trust in that spirit which leadeth to do good, and then shall you know, or by this shall you know, all things whatsoever ye desire of me, which are pertaining unto." Uh, which are pertaining unto things of righteousness in faith, believing in me that you shall receive. Uh, Elder Hales in 2015 said, the Lord will always keep his promise. I will lead you along. That's from section 78 of the Doctrine and Covenants, the promise that he will lead us along. The only question is, will we let ourselves be led? Will we hear his voice and the voice of his servants? I testify that if you are there for the Lord he will be there for you. If you love him and keep his commandments, you will be you will have his spirit to be to be with you and guide you. Put your trust in that spirit which leads to do good. By this shall you know all things pertaining by this shall you know all things pertaining unto things of righteousness. This struck me and I wanted to end here because if The recent things that President Nelson has told us. Will we allow ourselves to be led? Will we hear his voice? Do we hear him? Are we letting God prevail, Israel? Are we of the house of Israel? Are we of those who let God prevail? Because he will, he will prevail in your life, but he won't do it without your permission. Because that would be in violation of his wisdom and order, in the order of things, the violation of the, uh, the eternal truth and principle of agency. He won't do it without your permission. And so, are you willing to let God prevail in your life? Are you willing to to make the effort to prepare by being obedient, by studying the Scriptures, by obtaining His Word? Because if you are, then you'll obtain the word. You'll obtain power. And you'll be the means of delivering, helping to deliver others from their darkness. You'll be the means of redeeming souls. You'll be the means of helping to, uh, uh, redeem yourself and deliver yourself. Is That's where I was trying to head. And the Lord will deliver you from whatever bondage you're in. He'll cure you of whatever ailments you have, physical, spiritual, mental. It may not be in this life, but the Lord will prevail. Are you mm-hmm. willing to let him? Are you willing to put in that work, the work that, he's in, that he invited Hiram to put in, to prepare? So you have the desire, and now prepare Thanks for listening this week. I truly appreciate uh, all that you guys do and all of your comments and things. Come follow me at Disciples Journey on Facebook. Feel free to reach out to me directly if you have thoughts. I love hearing from you. Uh, Thank you again to all those who have supported me, my wife especially, in uh, letting me take the time to do this. And uh, we will all talk next week as we study sections 12 and 13 as well as getting to some Joseph Smith history. You'll note that section 12 and 13 are a combined 11 verses. There's a little bit more in Joseph Smith history that we'll study next week, but I'm excited to get into it with you guys. But again, enjoy your studies this week. Write down the thoughts the Lord gives you, and uh, He will see you valuing His words, and He'll trust you with more. I know that, and I can promise that because it, If he'll do it for me, I know he'll do it for you. And I've seen that in my life. So, good luck in your study. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk next week.